guest today is uh, Alan Gamlin, Associate Professor of Geography at Monash University, founding editor-in-chief of Migration Studies Journal and co-editor of Global Migration and Social Change book series for Bristol University Press. Ad uh, you also recently published a seminal work on uh, diaspora institutions, uh, human geopolitics with Oxford University Press in 2019. And uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, a very important uh, working paper with uh, Compass at the University of Oxford, mapping out uh, what are the key questions that us migration scholars have to think about in the post-pandemic uh, age. Thanks very much, Nando, for inviting me. Uh, it's really a pleasure to catch up and have a chat. Um, having read your working paper, I mean, the big question is, uh, is this the end of the age of migration? And what do we mean by it? Yeah, well, I mean, whether or not we see an end of, of the age of migration obviously depends on a lot of decisions that haven't been made. And the great thing about people is, you know, they can change their minds. But that said, there's a lot of writing on the wall. First, we know that migration has gone through boom and bust cycles before and that it's been expanding really globally. Um, the, since World War II, and particularly rapidly since 1990, um, the, the first graph that I showed in that uh, working paper really shows how net migration has expanded um, in that post-war period, particularly since 1990. Second, we also know that attitudes and behaviour surrounding migration changed markedly after the global financial crisis, and that since then we've seen a rise in restrictionist public opinion, political rhetoric, policy making towards migration, and also a leveling off globally of net migration rates. Third, we know the pandemics, at least temporarily, frozen all forms of human mobility mm -hmm. from walking to the shops, to commuting to the office, to visiting another country. And that some of these restrictions are going to be with us for many months to come for health reasons alone. Mm. And finally, we also know that the pandemic might dampen some of the long-term factors that are driving migration, including the demand for immigrant labor, which as I said, will probably have to fall as a result of unemployment and economic contraction, including the generally socially and economically uh, liberal attitudes towards uh, migration and destination countries that's uh, predominated in the past few decades, but which are starting already to become markedly more closed and illiberal, and including, I think, the willingness of migrants to take risks, mm. um, which we know might be reduced by the crisis. So it's not an inevitability, but there are some major signs mm. that this post-war international boom, which has really lifted off since the 1990s, is over and that migration, like all forms of globalization, really um, might go into a downswing. Um, on the other end, Alan, I was wondering, reading the paper also, that um, if uh, what is going to follow from the pandemic is uh, a, a huge economic crisis, this is likely to affect it's going to be global, but then you just need to go down a scale. You're going to probably going to see quite significant differences uh, regionally. No, in terms of who's going to be more affected, which country are more resilient, or some country will be able to also to turn it into opportunities. 
the problem what i mean is that the the so-called uh, traditional called push factors are gonna be there i mean in situation where you're gonna have a famine or a massive disruption of the economic system that are already very weak there would be a push for people to continue to move we're gonna see potential area conflict uh, also real conflict like uh, military conflict or tensions or social tension arrest but maybe uh, in the near future what do you think that's a really good point, I think, Nando. You know, um, on, on one hand, some people will be more risk averse and more impatient as a result of this crisis and they'll decide not to migrate as a result. Other people are going to be desperate for remittances or desperate to uh, flee livelihood collapse or mm. desperate to get out of the circumstances that uh, are kind of spin off effects of the recession resulting from the pandemic. So that, that uh, interaction of, on the one hand, some types of people being less likely to migrate and some types of people being more likely to migrate, I think could lead to some nonlinear changes mm. in migration flows in the short to medium term, some, some unpredictability. What I think is likely to be more consistent is that at the destination end, they'll probably be met with growing restrictionism. And that's just because this trend of, you know, border walls going up predates the pandemic considerably. And we've had, you know, now a decade of uh, nativists finding their way into power, uh, you know, nationalist populist governments, uh, politicians finding their way into government and the kinds of, lockdowns that have resulted from the pandemic are what they've been dreaming of you know that this is really their their kind of wet dream um so it's hard to see that the political environment the the um you know the and the policy environment coming out of that towards these perhaps more unpredictable flows that might result in the short to medium term will become will become any more open and in fact it seems likely that it will probably become more closed a final thing to note would would be I, I think Stephen Verdebeck's prediction is is pretty good there, which is that you know we might all start to look a lot more like Singapore, mm. where you've got a very tightly controlled indentured labour like um, system for low skilled workers, and then a much freer, um, open global mobility system for the cosmopolitan elites. In your work on the, on the global governance of migration, you really also emphasize the role of UN agencies. And clearly, after the, the so-called refugee crisis, we have seen a reorganization of the global governance of migration, the work around the, the global compacts, uh, IOM becoming a UN agency, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that was, in a sense, a response to a crisis, a big crisis that pushed this process of uh, rethinking and, and, and transformation. Are we going to see a new big transformation following the pandemic? Well, I think that um, both the sort of United Nations level promotion of global governance of migration and the kind of national sovereignty based uh, response to that. And, and demand to control migration are going on at the same time, and that's going to continue. Mm. Um, it, it's true that um, global migration governance has really ramped up in the last few years, and there's a couple of things going on. One is a long-term agenda 
um, that that many uh, you know, national governments and uh, international organizations have had to create better coordination at the international level. And that's been very incremental. The other is, as you've said, a series of shocks which has forced governments, which otherwise wouldn't really have thought about the problem, to come to the international community for a cooperative solution. And that's led to, um, you know, made it possible to form new international uh, forums and initiatives that previously weren't feasible, that would have been a resistance. So, so that's happening and it will continue to happen. But the, the real divide here is that the countries which send migrants are generally poorer and are in favor of migration governance happening at the global level, hmm. while the countries that receive migrants are generally wealthier and are against hmm. global governance of migration. Now that's been true for many decades and that's really the fault line that's running down the middle of the debate about the global governance of migration. I think what the pandemic has done is to strengthen the arguments of the anti-globalists, the anti-immigrationists, the sovereigntists, um, sometimes the nativists or the neo-nativists and strengthen their arguments for restricting immigration and, and indeed allowing them to take hold and control migration in ways that they probably only previously dreamed of. Mm. Mm. Um. Obviously, you are based in Australia, and so is it actually you are the best place to answer this question. Uh, the Australian model, the point-based model, is basically the holy grail of migration policy here in U in UK. Sometimes I got the impression is always that we are facing one of the classic phenomenon that the the garden of your neighbor is over greener, especially if it's a faraway garden uh, that you cannot really check in the details. Um, so I was wondering how the pandemic um, may, is affecting the Australian approach to my, is, is there any, can you see some emerging impact on uh, the pandemic on how Australia is uh, governing migration or is gonna govern in the post pandemic time? Hmm. That's a really good question. Uh, uh, yes, but before I say that, uh, just to you know, agree with you wholeheartedly that this kind of grass is always greener approach, is, is one of the best ways for a policy entrepreneur to um, get people to take notice of the policy that they particularly like. Mm. So to say, hey, well, you know, what I'm advocating has worked really well in, um, you know, Timbuktu and there's, it's really, it's, or it's the, uh, you know, it's the Australian model uh, is a really great way that, to, to sort of provide social proof for an idea that you want to promote. I, I totally agree with that. And that's behind the policy mobilities mm. um, sort of dynamic that I was looking at in human yeah. geopolitics, actually. I think that's, that's you're right there. There's a, there's a um, social proof that British policymakers are trying to use by referring to Australia uh, and, and yet the policies that they're trying to implement don't really necessarily look a lot like like the Australian system, and in fact, it would be really hard, if not impossible, to import the Australian model, you know, wholesale as a kind of plug and play operation. That's just not realistic. So, I mean, just just yeah. I agree with you there. Um, in terms of what's happening to Australia, um, I, I think 
there's a realistic possibility here that we're seeing the end of what has essentially been a long post-war boom in immigration. So that's, you know, it's really, if you, if you look at a graph of the percentage of foreign born in the Australian population since the 19th century, it's a big U, it's a big U curve mm. with the, the low point right in the middle of the 20th century, you know, after kind of World War One, Great Depression, World War Two, you know, not a great time to travel um, internationally. And then after that, gradually we've seen, uh, you know, a steady upsurge in migration, and particularly since um, the 1990s, really, there's been a, a real boom in international migration. You know, the, this is sort of the, the, the latest wave of globalization. I think there's a realistic possibility that we're gonna see a reduction in um, the number of international students and working holiday makers who are making their way to Australia on a temporary basis. Mm. Um, I think it's, it's realistic that there will be um, a reduction in the employer demand for migrant labor, um, given that there's uh, you know, very high unemployment uh, at the moment and there'll mm. be political pressure for employers to take Australian workers above migrants. There'll also be fewer jobs on offer. Um, and I think it's also realistic that uh, migrants uh, may be less inclined to move. People who, you know, would normally uh, be planning to make a move to a place like Australia might decide to hold that back until times are a little bit less risky. So, sorry, it's a slightly long-winded answer to your question, but I think there's a realistic possibility that in Australia and, and actually more broadly, that we're really, we might be seeing a downswing in migration coming up. Thank you very much, Alan. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And, uh, well, hopefully there will be more opportunities in the future.